Gavin Fitzpatrick was just 17 years old when he won a restricted race at Bankstown on Holmes Rain on the 5th of June 1999. It was the very first winning drive for a hard-working, very professional young horseman who is now 36 with a total of 1,506 winners to his credit. Gavin has spent his entire career working as stable manager and regular driver for his dad, Paul Fitzpatrick, who won seven Harold Park premierships prior to 2010 when the famous track closed down. To say someone is born into the game is a hackneyed expression, but in Gavin's case, it's very apt. When the Fitzpatricks moved onto their Cordor property in the early 90s, the family actually lived in the stables while the house was being built and would often be disturbed at night by a noisy horse. Gavin Fitzpatrick, I think it's safe to say that you really were born into the game. Yeah, that's... It's fair to say that, John. Yeah, good morning. Um, yeah, horses have always been in our blood, and um, ever since being born, we've always had been hanging around them. So you were actually uh, awoken on occasions by a horse cast in the box or kicking the wall. Yes, yeah, we we were. Yeah, um, we had little rings in the boxes the horses did to tie them up and uh, they'd always be playing with them all night. It was quite annoying, but, mm. <laughs> but uh, we ended up taping all them up. But um, no, no, it was really good. We, it was a good experience. We, uh, we got used to it, and, um, yeah, it was good. Now, Gav, just going back to those early days, when the family made the move from Bankstown to Cordor, I think the original plan was to develop the property, wasn't it, as a spelling and pre-training operation because you didn't have a lot of horses in work at the time. Yeah, no, that's right, John. Um, probably, Dad probably only out there with about 10 in work. Mm. Um, yeah, but that was the plan, to have spellers and pre-training and, and sort of build it from there. But we never thought it would get to um, – the you know the stage it got with the racehorses, yeah. No. A horse called the Master was probably the horse to launch Dad as a professional trainer at JJ Farm. He was your first Harold Park winner. You won about eight races on him. And your dad, yep. Paul, was still driving then. He was in the twilight of his driving career. But I can remember him winning a race or two on the Master at Harold Park. Yeah, that's right, John. Yeah, he did. He did. And... um he, won, he probably won a few there, and then, yeah, I just uh, got my Metro licence and pretty much Dad didn't drive again after that, and he might have had the odd drive here and there, but, um, uh, yeah, he, it was really, I was really fortunate. Dad just gave me the opportunities, and I remember mm. when I first started driving on Friday nights, I'd have probably four or five drives nearly a night, mainly yeah, of yeah. our own, mm. and it just gave me that experience, and. And, and as with an experience, you got more confident, and and um, yeah, Master was my first winner there. The first really nice horse to come off JJ Farm was Dual Prince. He won twenty three races, despite the yep. fact that he suffered heart arrhythmia on occasions. He was very good to you, Gav. You won about twenty races with him. Yeah, that, yeah, that's right, John. He was a he was a beautiful horse, probably. Didn't get to see the very best of him. Um, I remember he he just got beat in a size stakes final one night. He went probably one of the quickest lead times ever seen at Arrow Park. And he just got kicked on the pace. 
Um, and he won a lot of really good cup races. And uh, but yeah, just he um, he got a heart fibrillation and it just kept coming back. And uh, in the end, we sort of had to retire him. With the possible exception of Lombo Pocket Watch, no horse has given you more pleasure than Make Me Smile because he was a true family horse. Yeah, that's right, John. He was, he was a beautiful horse. He, uh, we actually trained his mother, and mm. she was actually one of my first drives on a um, Friday night at, Manette, at Parrell Park, mm. uh, Panoramic Lady, and she was a nice, honest mare without being a star, but... Um, when the opportunity came to buy him, as he, a yearling dad jumped at the chance. And, um, yeah, so we had him from sort of day one. And uh, he always showed that he was going to be a really nice horse. And um, and he proved that, yeah, he, he did a great job. He won the New South Wales Derby and run third in the Miracle Mile. And, and uh, yeah, he won over 500,000. You gave him a home on the property when his racing days were over. Yeah, that's right. He's still here. Yeah, yeah. He's, he? uh, he's up the back. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And, uh, oh, still occasionally mum says, oh, we should bring him back into work. But, <laughs> uh, but uh, no, he's he's great with the young ones in the paddock. And, um, uh, yes, he's certainly got a home for life here. I've just worked out his age. Gav, he won the derby in 2005. He's about 16. Yeah, yeah, that'll be right. Yeah, yeah. No, he um, he still looks really good. He's a bit fat, but um, no, he's um, yeah, he just gave us a lot of thrills, and especially with the whole the family owned horse, it sort of made it even better. Now, Lombo Pocket Watch, yeah. eighty three starts, forty five wins. It's just yeah. it is unimaginable. He had ten seconds, seven thirds. Funny thing, Gavin, most people think that he had an enormous amount of racing. He really didn't overall. I mean, 83 starts for a standard bred is uh, is really a light career. But he had most of it early, didn't he? He raced a lot as a two- and three-year-old. Yeah, that's right, John. Yeah. Yeah, no, it is a bit surprising to hear that. Um, but, um, yeah, he, I'm sure he had 18 or 19 starts as a two-year-old. Mm. And... Um, you know, he probably had a, a similar amount or maybe a little bit more as a three-year-old. Um, yeah, so he had sort of nearly half of that as a juvenile. And, um, yeah, and then if you clock up all the miles he did, he, he you know, he done an, he did an amazing job. He was just a freakish horse, really, in all areas, not just his ability but his constitution and how he could just adapt to different surroundings so quickly and, um, yeah, he's just a pleasure to train. He'd had two starts in Western Australia before you got him and he'd won two races at Pinjarra. He debuted for you in February 06 in the Sapling Stakes. I'll never forget watching that race. He was still green. It was a spectacular win, Gavin, that's Sapling Stakes. Yeah, it was. It's right up there. One of probably his, the ones you remember about him the most. Um yeah, he drew barrier 10 that night, the back row, and I'd actually been away in Melbourne all week. We had a horse down there, and I was looking after and come back up for that night. And, um, yeah, the other, we had another one in the race, Lombo Mandingo, mm. and um, Blake drove him, and I think he was odds-on favourite nearly. Mm. And they had huge wraps on him, and not a lot had sort of been said about this 
this guy, pocket watch. But mm. um, Graham Tindar was still training him at the time, and he said um, he said to me, "I oh, just you know just sort of treat it like a trial, really. You know, just mm. drive for luck, and if the brakes come your way, you know he'll get on good." Mm. And so I said, "Oh, well, I didn't go with many expectations, and I ended up going three fence, and um, he got held up up the back and." On the turn, I had to pull back and get around them, and he was way off the leader. And it was a nice horse of Neil Day, St. William, mm. a very fast horse too. And um, I reckon I was spotting him about five lengths at the top of the straight. Oh, yeah. About 50 out, I think I was two in front. <laughs> you no, know? he, he went – yeah, I can still see it. He he flew up the straight that night. It was just incredible. And the way he handled it, I had to nearly pull him sideways to get mm. out. Mm. He just handled it all. You know, like a real pro. I'm just looking at his big race record in the early days. The Lyndon Huntley final, the Bathurst Gull Crown, the APG two-year-old final, the Seymour final, Breeders' Crown two-year-old final at Ballarat, then the Victoria Derby, the Australian Derby, the Tatlow Stakes, the McInerney Ford Classic at Fremantle, or at Gloucester Park, staged by the Fremantle Club, and the Gold Nugget. When you got there... As a four-year-old, EI had started in the Eastern States. You must have missed it by a hair's breadth. Yeah, well, he was just lucky, John. He raced at the end of um, August in the Breeders' Crown, just before EI hit. He raced in Melbourne. Mm. And as he did as a two-year-old, he stayed down there and spelled at Nick Lombardo's property at Shepparton. And um, so EI broke when he was in the paddock. So, and always had... WA in mind because it was in December, early December, so mm. he couldn't have had long off. And um, so we're just lucky because if he was here in Sydney, he wouldn't have been able to go. I no, don't think. Exactly. And, um, so he had a month off, and then we organised for a fr- good friend of ours, Noel Shin, to work him up for a month. Mm. And then he had to go over to Perth. And he had to go in like two weeks' quarantine. And Graham Tyndale, who had him as a young horse, he organised it all and he went over and looked after him. He had to go in a, a, a property. It was in Whoop Whoop. It was, a, you know, it was hours out of Perth. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he, I think he was just jogging him on the grass, really. Mm. And, um, yeah, he had to look after him there and, and then Dad went over and sort of gave him his last sort of three or four weeks' work to get ready for the races. Mm. Yeah. He won his first 18 straight for you. His first yep. defeat, which must have come as a bit of a shock, was in a heat of the Victoria Derby at Shepparton. He ran third to 12 paces and triple Vance. Yep. You yep. must have been thinking, what, what's gone wrong here? Yeah, yeah, he, 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 he went good that night, but, he, yeah, he just didn't – he sat in the death and it was hard with him – Getting him ready for different races because he was a, you know, he was such a high class. He would have had the race free for all this, mm. so you really had no real lead up runs. And um, yeah, he, he he had a trial leading into that heat, but he he sat in the death that night and he just got beat. But yeah, he twelve paces was a very good horse. Mm. We had some really good battles with him. I remember he. We only beat him a nose one night as a two-year-old in the APG. He was a very fast horse. Mm. And, yeah, he he might have been just a little bit off the ball that night, but um, he still put up a good run. 
And it was probably lifted a load off our shoulders, really. Got the monkey off your back, yeah. yeah. (laughs) And then he won the derby final at Melton. Yeah, the next week he he, he brained him, you know. He he jumped to the front and beat a really good field and won by about three lengths, yeah. He he, he just – I sort of that night, I sort of let him roll all the way and he just – he was just far too strong, you know. He finished his racing career in WA where his owner lived, Mick Lombardo, and he won another four races, but by this stage of his career, he'd become a real stallion, and I don't know that he was as genuine as he'd been in earlier years. No, I, I'd have to agree with that. I, I think he always tried, John. I just think, yeah, he, he, he had other, you know, he probably had other things on his mind. And um, yeah. But he, you know, he. I think to be fair to the horse, he, maybe those younger, that hard racing as a juvenile caught up with him you know, a little bit, and, um, as you know, you can't sort of do it at both ends, really. No. And um, if you look at all the champion sort of grand circuit horses over the years, they didn't, they, the majority of them wouldn't have over-raced as young horses. Mm. And, um, he, you know, but he was still a good horse. I think he raced in an Inter-Dominion series over there. Mm. Um, but, uh, yeah, he's probably just a little bit of a shadow of his former self, yeah. When he arrived in New South Wales, he came with another two-year-old called Lombo Mandingo. You mentioned his name earlier. Legend has it, Gav, that you all thought he was the best of the two at the time. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, that was always, well, if you watched them work, you would say that, you know. Mm. But, um, yeah, when Timmy, Graham Tyndale came over with him, he, he sort of said, um, you know, this dad sort of talked about Mandingo more than Pocket Watch. And yeah. um, he was such an impressive-looking horse too, Mandingo. A big, yeah. upstanding horse. And when he was going, he just looked beautiful horse, you know. Mm. But And he was a good horse. He was a good horse. But uh, just when it come to the crunch in those real big races, Pocket Watch just had that extra mm. extra gear to find, you know. And mm. um, But when we'd work him at home, yeah, po- Pocket Watch could – Generally, n- never round him up, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, just when the real pressure was on, Pocket Watch just found that little bit extra. Yeah. Now, what happened to Lombo Mandingo, Gavin? He only had twenty-nine lifetime starts. He won fourteen of them, and his career ended rather abruptly. Yeah, he he um he actually got a bad virus, and he he actually had a little bleed. Oh. But um yeah, but. And then um, Mick sort of decided to, to retire him and he was keen to give him a go at start. Mm. Yeah. But didn't they so bring that, him back? He, they tried him again, didn't they? But a long I time think they after. Did. Yeah, I think they did. I think they were working him at his Mick's farm, yeah. as far as I'm concerned. And, and uh, yeah, I, I don't know if they – they might have trialled him. Mm. But, um, yeah, he. I think Mick was – it was more Mick was keen. He could have kept right – if he had a good break and come back, he could have kept racing. Mm. But Mick was keen to give him a go at start. Yep. Yeah. You've always spoken with great affection about a horse called Rowan Home, a gelding by Riverboat King who won 32 races, and he did it from two to nine. He won a yes. Renshaw Cup. He won a good free-for-all at Melton. He won a Newcastle mile in 153 and a bit and some good ones finished behind him that night. Yeah, that's right, John. That was a really good night, that. Um, 
he uh, got a good run three back the fence, and he he was just too strong that night. But um, yeah, he was a, just a beautiful horse. He um, dad bought him from the sales. Um, he was out of a really good race mare called Sanctum. Oh, great and, family, uh, yeah. Yeah, great family, and Dad always liked the family, and um, he he always showed a lot of promise, yeah. And um, unfortunately, as a two-year-old, he ran a place in the APG final. Mm. He went super, and then we were getting him ready for the Breeders' Crown and just had a little injury to his tendon, um, so he had to have a spell. But um, it might have been a blessing in the end, and um, he come back as a sort of later three-year-old and never looked back, really. Uh, yeah, he was just a lovely horse, and he had just such a great character around the stables. You couldn't mm. help but really like the horse. Mm. He ran second to Smoken Up in Australasian record time at Menangle, 148.5. He was beaten 11 metres, but he beat yep. the others just as easily. And the quarters, Gav, just to refresh your memory, 25-7, 27-4, 27-6, 27-8. Unbelievable. Yeah, incredible. And back then, it probably, it's, it wasn't a, you know, it wasn't a uh, regular, um, heard of back then, really, here in Australia. Now, these days, it's a bit different now. Mm. But, you know, Menangle hadn't been open that long. And, um, yeah, it, that was obviously a record back then. And he was well back in that race, but he just powered home. Uh, rowing home that night and you know as mm. you said there's some good horses in it horses like mr feelgood were in that race mm. um so you know he, he went super that night mm. gav he, he did win again after that but yeah i think it's generally agreed and i think you agree he, he just wasn't quite the same no definitely not definitely not and we don't know why really there was nothing physically wrong with him or anything um we actually even give him a spell after that race mm. And, um, yeah, he just never, was never the same after that. He lost all his sort of speed and and we couldn't get it back. And, yeah, we don't really know why. You know, the only thing you could think of is, you know, did that run just really get bottom to the in. bottom of the tank? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. He's smoking and up, broke his heart. That's what happened. Yeah, well, it could, you know, it couldn't, he, he broke plenty of hearts. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and, uh, yeah, he just had nothing left to give after that. You know, he still always tried his best, and, mm. but he was just a shadow of his former self, really, yeah. We'll just pause for a quick break on the podcast, Gavin, get you to stand by, and we'll be back in a moment. It's good times all round at Harness Racing across New South Wales as the state's finest horses and drivers go wheel to wheel. With something for everyone, a trip to the trots is the perfect place to take family and friends. It's easy, affordable and action-packed, so get down to your local track and experience it firsthand. Get all the info at harnessmediacentre.com.au and we'll see you at the track for good times all round. Talking to top driver Gavin Fitzpatrick about some of the great horses he's driven over the years and Smooth Cruiser certainly fits into that category. You got him after a handful of runs in New Zealand. You won nine straight with him, Gav, including the carousel final. Yeah, that's right, John. He was a lovely horse. Yeah, he um, he was actually owned in the same interest as Smoking Up. And, um, yeah, he uh, they bought him from New Zealand and he just did a great job as soon as he came here. He won a heap in a row. And, yeah, won the carousel. 
he went great that night. And he just went through his classes really quick. He'd probably come as a C2. And before he knew it, he was in the free-for-alls. Mm. And um, just a, a lovely horse, a real professional horse who was very just very strong, would just keep going, you know. He ran third in the 06 Miracle Mile to Be Good Johnny and Blacks Are Fake. I think you drew six that night and you all but crossed Be Good Johnny. Yeah, that's right, John. Um, he was all but across and then the corner come up. and uh, mm. Yeah, Beagle Johnny just got his legs there and um, I just couldn't get across. I ended up getting on his back uh, and then, yeah, and they went really quick that night. And, mm. um, and you got he went held really, up. He got held up, yeah. yeah. He got out, I think, up the inside maybe. And um, he only got probably a metre or two and um, he was probably a bit unlucky really. Yeah, he went really good that night. In 2007, your stable had a disagreement with the owners and he went to Lance Justice in Victoria. He won another five races and he finished up in Western Australia where he won two or three. Yeah, that's right, John. Yeah, yeah. He, um, yeah, he probably, I thought he, you know, he, I, I thought he could have, you know, he may have gone on to sort of better things, but, um, yeah, he, he did a great job and, and, um, he, he sort of was a re- – if there was more standing starts back then, he would have been a great horse. He mm. really used to fly the stand, and we were actually looking towards the Hunter Cup with him. But, um, yeah, no, he was just a, a lovely horse and um, one that you, you sort of didn't realise how good he was till you didn't have him around, you know. Uh, yeah, just, exactly. You, you really missed him, yeah. Gav, had your brother Blake stayed at home, you obviously wouldn't have had the same number of opportunities – so when he decided to go out on his own some years ago, you automatically became number one driver for Dad's stable. Blake's a terrific driver, and I think you and Dad recognised his talents very early in the piece. Yeah, that's right, John. Probably, you know, even before he, obviously before he started driving in races, he knew that he was going to, you know, he was going to be uh, a great talent. And um, he was just a natural with horses from, all his life, really, you know. He um, was a very good show rider when he was young. And, uh, yeah, he just had a real sort of connection with him, really. And, um, yeah, and then when he got to became a driver, he, you know, he, he just excelled, really. And um, he's not only had good hands, he's, you know, good tactically and um, very aggressive, sometimes too aggressive. But, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, uh, that that probably what makes him good as well, you know. Yeah, he's yeah. pushed him on the sidelines for, for a few times. Yeah. Though, <laughs> well, he's the Malcolm Johnson of harness racing, really. But uh. <laughs> oh, he told me only recently, Gav, that he surpassed Malcolm's record a long time ago. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's quite proud of it. But. Oh, he is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, know, he, he, yeah. Most young drivers have a role model when they kick off, and your role model back then might come as a surprise to many. It was Darren Hancock. Yep, yep, yeah, no, that's right, John. He um, he uh, he was a leading driver, one of the leading drivers in Sydney back then, and just he was just someone who was such a, so relaxed in the cart, and you, you never saw a horse pull on him. Mm. And um, he was, you know, he he used. To, I never saw a guy probably get him out the gate as quick as he did back then. He um, they used to, he just used to hum him out of the gate, and um, 
yeah, and then they'd he'd drop on the, the reins would be on the dust sheet. Then, you know, they'd be on a loose rein, and then mm. when he won the go, they'd just go whoosh, you know. Mm. And, yeah, he just he was just really natural in the car. And, you know, he probably Blake's someone who reminds you of him, you know, mm. of how, you know, and they just seemed to run for him. All of your work is done on a 740-metre track, which is beautifully maintained, and your horses race competitively at Menangle off that little track. Now, Gavin, ever since Menangle opened, there's been a theory that you've got to train there to race there. Now, that's obviously not right because uh, you're winning races on a regular basis. Steve Turnbull's an even better example. Steve's work track at Bathurst is not much over 500 metres. No, no, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's right, John. Um, Yeah, I think it took us all, especially, you know, like us and Steve and a lot of guys are training the small tracks a while to to work it out um, when we first started racing there. And I think at first we all thought that, you know, gee, maybe there's some, you know, that is right, you've got to train on the bigger track. But, um, no, I think over time we've sort of worked it out. And um, I think the thing with Menangle is when you first go there, whether trial or race, you've got to be so fit, you know. Yep, yep. You've got to be so fit. It's just another – it's gone up another level of fitness. Yeah. And it, I think it's different, but once you're there racing regularly – I don't think we have to work them like we used to have to work them at Harold Park because mm. the racing's so hard, you know. And um, obviously the four, all horses are different, but, but um, yeah, so it's definitely – we definitely had to change a few things with, with training and that. With the big teams you've worked over the years, you've had a lot of people working for you and a lot uh, go through the system. And some of those people who've gone on to train and drive successfully in their own right include Trevor Monday, Michael Musket, David Morris, and James Ponsonby, who is currently working for Mark Newnham, one of the emerging stars of the galloping ranks at the moment. Yeah, yeah, that's right, John. Yeah, I was actually talking to James the other week, and uh, yeah, he's really enjoying enjoying it there at Mark Newman's. Um, he's always had a... Uh, passion for uh, the thoroughbreds he's always that trained tried um, trained a couple himself and um but yeah no james worked with us for um four years i think and yeah yeah no he, he was really good and, and and drove quite a lot of winners for us as well mm. um but yeah no we've had a, a lot of luck over years with staff and it's it's very critical that you have good staff um you know to to keep when you've got big numbers um and, yeah, we've been very lucky in that regard and uh, it helps when you have guys like you've mentioned who, you know, know what they're doing and you can send them down and you know that they're going to do the job, yeah. Yep. It's well known that Dad leaves the day-to-day running of the stable to you and, Gav, I hate to bring this up, <laughs> but speculation is rife that you are an out-and-out slave driver. <laughs> Yeah, I've heard that speculation. I'll <laughs> <laughs> oh, bet you have. <laughs> oh, look. No, I think I've, I've mellowed a lot over the years, John. <laughs> I think I'm pretty – yeah, no, I think, I'm, I think I'm pretty good to work for. I just probably get a bit uh, – yeah, the attention to detail sometimes goes a bit over the top. But uh, Yeah. But, um, no, I, you know, back then I suppose – 
years ago when we had like 50 odd it was it was good times but it was pretty stressful at times too mm. <laughs> we've probably uh learned to relax a bit more now and um yeah no but i'd still think you know you've got to you know things have got to be done right and um but yeah there's um you just got to you know pull it back a bit sometimes you hold a trainer's license but you've never produced a horse in your own name now, Gav, that'll happen soon enough. I think Dad has already, uh, you know, instigated uh, rumblings that he might give it away in the not-too-distant future. And then G.J. Fitzpatrick will assume the role, no doubt. Uh, yeah, I suppose one day, um, yeah, that, that'll happen. Um, but, yeah, I think Dad's still very keen, uh, you know, at the moment. And um, I think even if he did sort of not retire from training, he'd still be hanging around, you know, helping us and um, he'd always be wanting to um, be involved and because um, he, he loves it so much, you know. Of course. And, um, but, yeah, yeah, uh, it's not something that I've really sort of um, thought about a lot. We, I just see it as sort of a bit of a team effort really here and, um, yeah, as long, as long as, you know, it's in one of our names, it doesn't, it doesn't matter, you know. No, as long as they win. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, work is your favourite pastime, no doubt about that, but you do have one or two recreational activities and one of them, and I think uh, Jim Douglas is one of your uh, uh, competitors, one of your fellow competitors, and that's indoor (laughs) cricket. Yeah, 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 that's right, John. Yeah, we play every Monday night. And, uh, yeah, no, we, um, yeah, we, we, we we win some games, we lose plenty too, but no, we have a lot of fun. Uh, we've got a few harness racing people involved. Um, Blake plays quite a bit, mm-hmm. um, and uh, David Thorne he plays. Yeah, so um, no, but um, yeah, it, it's good. It's good to get away from the horses and yeah, and just do something different. And um, yeah, both me and Jimmy were sort of keen cricketers and uh, always follow it closely so it's good yeah but uh, we're called the battlers for a good reason yeah we only battle in, when we're playing but uh, we have a lot of fun <laughs> well Gav you're not a battler in the harness racing world you've been proving that for the last 19 years it's been a delight to talk on the podcast thank you so much for joining us and you just keep up the good work that's all you've got to do and the winners will continue to flow No, no, it's been a pleasure, John. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. And this podcast has been produced by Supernova Sound. It's good times all round at harness racing across New South Wales as the state's finest horses and drivers go wheel to wheel. With something for everyone, a trip to the trots is the perfect place to take family and friends. It's easy affordable and action-packed so get down to your local track and experience it firsthand. Get all the info at harnessmediacentre.com.au and we'll see you at the track for good times all round.